Monday is done. We've got reaction for you in real time to the end of one of football's most bonkers transfer windows ever. So much to get stuck into. Let's get started. Yes, hi everyone, and who doesn't love a deadline day, all the drama of the late signings, and in the craziest window football has ever seen, which will come as no surprise, there's been a fair few twists and turns in the final 24 hours. David Wiener with you once again for this special episode of The Gagan Pod, recording at 7am Australian time as we take in the final hour of the window live here on the podcast to take in the drama, but also to make sure we can get our fab trio on board across the planet, Michael Bridges in Newcastle, Thomas Sorensen in Melbourne, Mark Schwarzer, well, somewhere in Spain, somewhere lovely down <laughs> south. But more importantly, it's the Gagapod going to the next level because Schwarzer, you are at the heat of the transfer window drama today because it's all happening in Spain. How are you and where are you? Well, I'm in the south of Spain, um, right on the coast down from Seville. Um, finding it really tough, I have to say. It's been, been a tough day. Obviously, transfer deadline day is always very entertaining. I'm still trying to get my head around a few of the deals that are, that are, that are happening. I mean, Griezmann's return to Atletico Madrid, the way it's happened, the amount of money that's involved or, or not the amount of money that's involved that should be potentially. Uh, how good a deal is Atletico Madrid getting? Um, the other one that has blown my mind is, is PSG refusing to even talk about the deal that Real Madrid have offered for, for Kylian Mbappe. Where in you know in a, in a couple of months' time he's free to talk to anyone he likes, which is just mind blowing. Sure is. There's a reason we're starting in Spain, Bridgie and Thomas, because even though it's the Premier League deadline day, so much is happening there. We will run through all the sort of important deals over the next little while, but starting off with why we're, we're focusing on this drama. So, Sal Negues, Atletico Madrid, fabulous midfielder, off to Chelsea on loan. Kylian Mbappe. Paris Saint-Germain just simply did not entertain a 220 million euro overture from Real Madrid. That means that they can possibly, Madrid, tap him up in January to get him for free at the end of the season. You've also got Antoine Griezmann. Barcelona are shedding wages left, right and centre. So a player who they bought for 120 million euro, they're going to send out on loan back to Atletico Madrid and potentially sell him for 40 million euro and they've sold a couple of other players today as well Bridgie take that all in for us let's start with Griezmann if you need a definition for the most shambolic transfer period in a football history Barcelona I think if it wasn't bad enough losing Messi have just probably topped it off Oh, Dave, it's a sad day for Barcelona fans. They will be, I wouldn't be surprised if they're tearing up their season tickets as we speak, because when you think of the quality they have seen over the years, the joy in the players, and now they're, you know, the losing Griezmann, Messi has gone, the disarray off the field, the amount of financial trouble that they are in, you know, it's no surprise that they've had to offload Griezmann for these reasons. Uh, and now they're going to have De Jong, Depay, and who's the other guy? Uh, Braithwaite. There you go. I even struggle to remember the names of the Barcelona strikers these days. That's how bad it is. And it's, um, yeah, it's really, really sad to see, but it's it's something that must happen. And now you understand the reason why a lot of these clubs did want to break away to get this Super League for the money because of the financial trouble that they were in. And then you talk about, sports. you mentioned Real, Real Madrid after Mbappe. The figures they were talking is absolutely scary. And now it, what it just goes to show 
is the power in the money side that Paris Saint-Germain have. That that 200 million offer, it's actually, you know, it's it's the same as when I go to my car and in my ashtray, I might have a spare bit of change of $10 or $20 sitting in there so I can get me coffees, right? That's how much that 200 million means to these billionaires of PSG. It is absolute change to them. They don't need it and they would rather have Mbappe to win the Champions League this season, then you know, go for that two hundred million. It's it's incredible to, to think, but that is the reality of it. That's how much money these guys have got. And how are you if you're Kylian Mbappe right now, Thomas? No, I think yeah, the rumours are a bit frustrated. I think he he was uh, he was looking to obviously um, go to Real Madrid, fresh slate, uh, build his future there, help being the, sort of the face of of the club and. Uh, but now he has to wait. He knows, uh, you know, he's not in a bad place. Like like Bridget says, you know, they'll be challenging for for the Champions League. Um, you know, they're, you know, what a strike for us. I, I, actually, I'm, I'm quite happy. You know, I, I want to see that front three with Neymar, Messi and, and Mbappe. Um, so I was hoping he was going to stay. We'll see, see them together for, for this season and then he can do what he wants. Uh, he'll get paid handsomely then. Uh, but but I got back to Atletico Madrid. They, they'll be laughing, you know. Now got Suarez the championship. Now they'll get Griezmann back, um, and actually just for you know for for for, for small change. Uh, what a bit of business that must be. Some of the best deals in 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 football history uh, that they have just done over the last two years. So in addition, and, sports. Um, in... Sorry, sorry, Thomas. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's it. You know, it's um, it, you know, it, it, there's so much going on, and it, it's fantastic uh, to follow. So, in addition to uh, the Griezmann sale, Emerson has gone to Tottenham, and a couple of other young kids have been have been sent out as well from Barcelona. And we should mention, Mark, that in addition to Kylian Mbappe, all but being able to do what he wants in a couple of months' time. Madrid have signed Eduardo Camavinga, the 18-year-old from France, the youngest to play for Rem, the youngest to play for France, and prodigious talent. So you could not get a greater contrast between the two iconic clubs in Spain right now, plus Atletico Madrid laughing at the prospect, probably being a really good shadow defending their title. I mean, I think Camavinga, obviously, an enormous amount of talent has obviously had glimpses, has been brilliant with, with France on his debut, scored. Um, has been brilliant in, uh, in, in, in the French League. Um, obviously, it's a massive step. And, and Ramadan have done it in the past. They've bought through very, very talented young players and they've struggled to adapt. I, I hope he does. I mean, he seems like someone who is a little bit older than, say, Odegaard when they signed him. And he was the next big, big thing and, and has struggled to establish himself. So hopefully he does really, really well. Um, Mbappe, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like Thomas as well in terms of, I'm, I'm kind of happy to see him stay, but I just don't get how PSG have rejected it. I, I, I don't. Maybe you're right. Maybe the fact is that they're thinking, listen, don't care. If he leaves him for free, who cares? In the end, you've got to stay here for another 12 months. The pressure of the fans, um, you know, constantly on him about not signing. Um, can they still persuade him to stay? Um, I, I, I don't know. Winning the Champions League, that will probably be enough for them. Yeah, if they do win the Champions League. And Bappe, at the moment, is certainly their best player. I mean, he's their main guy. Obviously, Messi's only just getting started. But Mbappe is a phenomenal player, as we all know. But I still can't get my head around the fact that he, that he, that he didn't sell him for that sort of money. 
Swartzy, what you've got to remember, or sorry, what you've got to think about, there's two winners here. Mbappe, free transfer, that money all becomes his now in that transfer fee, if that's how much it's going to be. And Real Madrid, if they're in a financial trouble, if they've got to wait one more year, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it, I, I think it's played out more beneficial for them too, because like I say, PSG don't need that money. And I, I think it's a, a, finally a little bit of sensible agreement has, has been done. There's still a risk, isn't there? There is a risk, though, isn't there? There's still a there's a time is always uh, uh, has a massive part to play, and then the also the pressure domestically. He's, he's from Paris. He's French from Paris. The pressure that the fans will put on him, the club will also put some pressure on him. So it's how he deals with that. Whether he just pushes it to one side and goes, you know what, I don't really care. And my my heart is set on Real Madrid, which it has been for a long, long time. I don't think any, I don't think the 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 prospect of him going to Real Madrid is, is new to anyone. It's I suppose really about the circumstances. Um, and I think PSG, the way they're dealing with it, in a way, is they've dug their heels in and gone. You know what? We're not letting him go. And ultimately, if we let him go for free, it's not our fault. It's his fault. He's the one that's chosen to leave, and the buck always stops with him. So, from a fan's perspective, I think. Mm. It looks better for PSG. Um, and clubs also think of that. You know, they, they certainly think about that when deals are being done or when potentially players want to leave and they don't want to sell them. Um, they don't want to be the ones that are seemingly the ones that let them go. Um, so, yeah, so it, it is a bit strange to me still, but it's going to be great for, for PSG and, and, and the prospects. But if they, don't live, if they don't deliver the Champions League this year, they never will. <laughs> so well, if Pochettino doesn't win a trophy this year, will he ever? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> um, Thomas, what about the sporting flex? Bridget spoke about the loose shrapnel coming out of the back pocket with the 220 million. But I guess when you have that padding, um, they can make a sporting flex here where they want to show the old powerhouse that the new kid on the block will not be bullied. Where in any other circumstance in history, that player of that status goes to Madrid. Yeah, no, it, it again, uh, you know, most clubs will, will run straight to the bank and, and cash in. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it opens a little bit of a the can of worms with, with the financial fair play. Um, you know, what, you know, how can they turn this down? You know, you know, there must be a club like Barcelona who, you know, a couple of years ago had all the riches and, and they, they must be sitting there, you know, how is this possible? Um, you know, we have to we have to put up a fire sale. We have to get rid of all our best players. We have to cut our wage bill, and and uh, a club like PSG can can turn down whatever two hundred and fifty million Australian dollars. Uh, you know, that's it, it's ridiculous, but that that's where we are, and uh, that's the financial position they're in. You know, I think I agree with Bridgie. I think the the chairman has come out and said, you know, for, for me, you know, it's it's a trip to the casino. You know, it's it's what I lose uh, you know, in, in ten minutes at the casino. <laughs> uh, so I don't care. Moving on Schwartzy to Saul to Chelsea. I mean you, if you if you're picking at the Chelsea squad with a fine, fine, fine tooth coat and tooth now, you you could have said that, okay, you know what? The midfield is so elite but there's only three of them. If there is an injury or two, it is really thin. Well, there's some way to solve it with the Spanish international with a loan, initial loan with the option to buy. Jules Conde will not happen, it looks like, as we record, the severe defender. But in terms of prioritisation and the quality that comes to Stanford Bridge, what do you make of this move? No, I think it's a tremendous move. Um, and I think you look at the, if you actually look at the detail of the move as well, initial fee of €4 million Euros on loan, uh, with the, the option to buy him for 35 million euros. I mean, 
what's that, 39 million euros for a, for a top quality player, 26 years old, Spanish international, proven, tried and tested in the Champions League, elite level, which is what obviously Chelsea, the likes of Chelsea, certainly demand from players. Um, I, I think it's a tremendous buy. It gives some, Chelsea a little bit something different. Um, certainly a different player to Jorginho or, or Kovacic. Um, and uh, obviously with Kante having a lot of issues throughout the last couple of years with injuries, it's always another option for them, and I think that's key for them. Defensively, I'm not so worried about Chelsea. You know, losing losing Kurt Zuma, I think he's a, he's a top guy. He's a, he's a tremendous athlete. Is he a top, top-class defender where Chelsea want to be? Probably not quite at that level, but still a very good defender. But I think they've got more than enough in reserves there. So defensively, I think Chelsea are well-stocked. Can you break in, Bridgie? Can you break into that 11? Because you've also got their uh, Mount as an option, Kai Havertz. Obviously, they've both been playing further forward, but they're, they're, they're probably the, the, the backup before Saul Sign is potentially dropping into midfield. Um, does the Spaniard break in at all? He does because Dave Swartz has talked about how how good he is and what he does. He, I'm a I'm a huge fan of this guy. His work ethic without the ball, I think, is exactly what Tuchel is after as well. They know what they are getting from this guy, and he can play. He plays unbelievable football, mate. And he, he what 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 else he is? He's a leader. He has been in that Atletico. He knows what it takes. He's got the work ethic. He's got the experience, and I think it's an unbelievable signing when you consider it's a loan deal originally for the four million to get him for the season, and then with an option to buy for thirty-five million plus next season. Um, for me, if you're getting a player and of his quality to add to your squad depth uh, for four million at present, I think it's just a sensational stroke of genius from Chelsea yet again, and another opportunity, Dave, for you to get excited, mate, because the title challenge is on. Well, we'll talk about winners and losers of the window a little bit later on, and uh, I'm looking forward to that part of it because I think I think this might have Chelsea right up there. Um, overnight, we're just mentioning a few other deals that have happened, and the biggest one of all, which we're going to kick off with, is Cristiano Ronaldo's deal has finally been sealed. He's been pre- we've seen him with images in the Manchester United journey jersey on back to the future, of course. But a few interesting things as well. Dan James, as a result of that, he's gone to Leeds United two years after um, he initially had gone there from Swansea, and the deal got uh, a late uh, pulled late by the Swans chairman. So he's finally back there. The club actually tweeted the picture that never got released two years ago, which is quite interesting. Leicester have signed Adamola Lookman uh, from Leipzig. He was in the Premier League with Fulham last year, as I mentioned a bit earlier. Tottenham have signed Emerson. From Barcelona, Harry Kane's been in the press overnight, guys, as well, saying his conscience is clear for the way he behaved uh, through the transfer window. So an interesting interview he gave to TalkSport overnight. West Ham have done interesting work. Alex Kral and Nikola Vlasic, as David Moyes continues to strengthen his side as well. For Liverpool, it was more about retention. Jordan Henderson, Reese Williams... Um, and Nathaniel Phillips, although Reese Williams has gone out on loan to Swansea City. And Crystal Palace have just signed Odson Edward, who, if you watched the Old Firm derby on the weekend, you would have seen he was the striker that missed that guilt edge chance for Celtic at nil all against Rangers. But he is into the Premier League. His mind was obviously elsewhere. £14 million move to Crystal Palace. Ange Postecoglou Celtic, by the way, also lose Ryan Christie as well to Bournemouth, but have signed a, a winger Jota from Benfica. So plenty happening so far. We will touch on it and recap more a little bit later on in the show as we click towards deadline. But Bridgie, and, and I want to kick off with the headline act of overnight. 
Cristiano Ronaldo finally confirming that move back to Old Trafford. 36 years old, initial fee of 12.9 million pound, 15 million euro, two-year contract with the option for a third. When you woke up on Saturday morning, what did you think when you jumped on the internet? Absolutely brilliant. Um, everybody, you know, the big smoke screen that it was around what he was going to City. Manchester City and all the all my mates that I've seen on on my social media networks were going crazy. How dare he do this? This can't happen. He can't damage his legacy at United. It was the best smoke screen I've ever seen by his media company or Man United. They've kept it. There was only one place he was going to be going, and that was back to Old Trafford. He wouldn't have damaged his legacy. And especially when you've got Sir Alex Ferguson on the phone, who, you know, is a big father figure for him. I just think it's absolutely sensational. And Dave, you laughed at me a few years ago or a year ago when you asked me for the big question, what would happen? I said Messi would be at Manchester City and Ronaldo would be back at Manchester United. I'll tell you what, that nearly came off. It nearly happened. I'm devastated that it didn't because I would love to have seen Messi at Manchester City against Ronaldo once again. But um, we probably will see that in the Champions League. And I just think Man United, um, the, the, the the reaction from the fans has been brilliant. The, the ex-players, he's not the player that left, but I'll tell you what, the, the commodity that he is, he's still in the peak of his career for, my, for me. At the age of, what, 36, he's still got it because of the goals that he's scoring. It's not easy to score goals in Serie A. And he's done that with Juve. He's done it and proven it everywhere he goes. Incredible sign. And Man United, I, I salute them for what, the, for what they've done. I just think it's brilliant. I've, got, um, I've just got inside information about Pep Guardiola's reaction to Ronaldo. He called him. Excuse me. Pep Guardiola. Hello? Oh, Pep, I swear. Shut up, you son of a b- I promise you, okay? Okay? I am going to beat the shit No, Pep, Pep. You son of a b- Please, Pep. Just once, okay? But twice! Connor sketches, and he does the Cristiano Ronaldo press conference, and then Pep apparently <laughs> calls him. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, seriously, a window. You, you, you said we laughed, Bridgie, but it was fantasy stuff that we were talking about when we were talking about those transfer speculations. If you could have ever said a few months back that Messi would go to PSG, Mbappe would stay at PSG and leave for free after 220 million euro is rejected. Ronaldo is about to go to City, then he goes to United. Griezmann goes back to Atletico. Lukaku goes back to Chelsea. Sergio Ramos and all those others go to PSG. Grealish breaks the British transfer record to go to City. And just for Lou, you know, you got Sancho to United, Varane to United. Absolutely crazy stuff. And Harry Kane stayed at Tottenham. And Harry yes. Kane stayed. The biggest move. <laughs> biggest transfer news. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest move for you didn't happen. Schwartzy, Ronaldo to United. Would you have, if you were in charge, would you have taken the temptation as soon as you realized it could happen and taking aside the amazing reaction and how the synergy is just clear and obvious, is it going to help or hinder Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? They, they had to buy him. They had to take him. There's, in my opinion, there's no way in the world they could allow Manchester City to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. It would have been a PR disaster. The club would have been absolutely crucified. The fans would have gone berserk. For me, whether United wanted to initially sign him or not is another thing. They were forced to, in my opinion. They had to. Um, and that's why it's happened. Because it just would have been a complete disaster had it not, not, not occurred. 
So to answer the question, would, would I want Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United as a manager? If I were managing them, gosh, yeah. I mean, listen, he's going to score goals for you, isn't he? The question is, at 36, how many games is he going to play? How many games is he expecting to play? How much demand will he put on everyone in terms of expectation of playing games? Can he play every week? Will he deliver every week? I think I'd be mad to say that he can't deliver every week because he's got the ability to score goals. His track record speaks for itself, except the Premier League is the Premier League and whether he can play two games a week for, for a number of months in a row, only time will tell, but he's an incredible athlete. He, he's, for me, out of like, if you talk about the comparison between Ronaldo and Messi, I don't think you can compare the two other than say, for example, the evolution of the two. Ronaldo, for me, wins hands down in terms of evolution as a player going from a winger, taking on players, leading players for dead to becoming an out-and-out striker and evolving and actually becoming one of the best number nines on the planet. It's pretty impressive. Mm. Thomas, there's no doubt his, his scoring record in Turin was second to none. I think over 100 goals and a phenomenal strike rate. Um, but there's a theory that Max Allegri is probably relieved to see him go because he was, he was struggling to find the team that he wanted to move forward with. So in that sense, in terms of integrating into Manchester United, we know he'll score goals, but how does the team evolve with him as a, as a collective? You know, I think there's no question, and, and Allegra says, like, he takes up a lot of room in, 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 at a club. You know, obviously wages, uh, you know, his personality. Uh, and that'll, that'll be the, the issue at United as well, because you, you've got a, a, a young front line, except for Cavani. Um, you know, Greenwood has, has started really well. You've got Martial. Uh, Jesse Lingard, um, and and how do you fit that all in? And I so I agree with Swartz's, uh, you know, that the tactical um, issues for Solskjaer will will, will be there. Uh, you know, how do you get the best out of him? How much is he going to play? You know, and and then off the field, how how much does he take up in in, in the dressing room? I think um, you know, I'm sure you know he Ronaldo will be happy to be back at, at United. You know, you, you can see from the quotes that's come out that that that's where he wanted to to finish if he was going to finish, um, you know, at a club in in, in England. And um, you know, so he must come in there with a mindset that uh, you know he knows it might be the final uh, destination of of his club career and and. Uh, he might go in there and, and be a bit of a mentor and, and, and uh, you know, maybe be a little bit more flexible uh, now in his sort of uh, <laughs> last couple of years that, that he has been. <laughs> yeah, can he be? Yeah, I don't know. Can he yeah, be? Yeah, that's the thing. thing. Can, can, a, yeah. can a guy at that level with that mentality, with that determination, with that sort of sheer peak-headedness, um, and, I, and I say that in a positive way, you know, that, that desire, that selfishness, can he evolve to become that almost teacher to, to a degree? I'm, I'm not sure. Only time will tell. No, no. Yep. The other big one he's got is, is the number. Carvani's got the number seven. Yeah. Ronaldo wants the number seven. They've applied to the FA and the Premier League to see if they can change, change that and get it done. And what it would then do is the number 21 shirt is available now. Carvani uses that for Uruguay. So I think Carvani would be happy to you know, renege on that and get his his um, international number and see Ronaldo back in the seven shirt. Man United would be do everything they can to to get that done because of the commercial side of it. Mm. Mm. Oh, and commerciality just go, side. They just go sell a million shirts of whatever other number they pull out of nowhere, make that a marketing enterprise that hasn't existed yet. CR20 or whatever it's going to become. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of 20, 
How many goals does he get this season, boys? We, we tried this with the Harry Kane bingo a couple of weeks ago. That's now hypothetical. Done. We don't know. He's never going to be assisted by Kevin De Bruyne this season. Um, and is the front is the front four, for, if there's a final tomorrow, is United's best lineup with Ronaldo leading the line, Sancho on one side, Rashford on the other, and Fernandez in behind. And what does that do with the Pogba midfield dilemma? So uh, an answer to the where it, where the 11 looks like and how many goals that 11 gets for Ronaldo. At this moment in time, I believe what you said there is the best balance because Greenwood is in tremendous form. Ronaldo leads the line. Fernandez has been sensational yet again. Uh, and we haven't seen enough of Sancho, but I believe he is the one that will be on that right-hand side. The only one that may change the dynamics could be Rashford. Once he gets himself up and running, he does like that left-hand side. It's a great problem for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but I'll tell you what, the, the, the transfers they have brought in with Varane coming in at the back um, as well, and I can't. Who, who else did they get? Sancho, Ronaldo. It's just absolutely sensational. I think what they have done, um, they're definitely title contenders as well. Thomas? Yeah, no, I, I think he'll get north of uh, 25 goals in, in all competitions. Um, you know, we saw him at the Euros. Uh, you know, I I agree with Swartz is, uh, <laughs> that that I, I think his mentality, you know, he's unstoppable in, in, in that department. Uh, he's, he's as fit as, as, he, as he's always been, really. And, um, you know, it's only by injury um, that, that, that I think uh, 25 goals it, it will be out of reach for him. Um, you know, he, he'll play plenty of games. He, he'll have the service. You know, Fernandez, he knows him extremely well from from obviously Portugal. Uh, and a Sancho, when when he gets up to speed, I think he, he'll have plenty of service uh, to get at least uh, twenty five goals. I, I think also, yeah, I agree, Thomas. I think twenty five plus goals. The big question is, who's taking penalties? Hmm. <laughs> like yeah. that one out, who Ollie? takes them for Portugal who takes them for Portugal I think <laughs> I, I, I know but if you look at Bruno Fernandes his record at Manchester United taking penalties do you just push him aside now and say hey, well hang on it's Cristiano you chance. the team is bigger than Cristiano Ronaldo and he, I think he'll respect that and understand that we'll see and we'll see it? It? Oh, I don't know I think <laughs> I think we will see a very similar situation to what we witnessed at Everton at the weekend with Richarlison and Calvin Lewin having an absolute ding dong oh. Richarlison that was absolutely embarrassing and it was I think it was um, Baines that actually was it Baines came across no Coleman oh. Coleman came across and sorted out the captain and said, listen, there's a pecking order here, mate. Step aside. And I thought that was disgusting. We may say that happened at Man United. Well, Kleenex is going to be a great sponsor for the future. (laughs) (laughs) Take the popcorn out if Ronaldo... Sponsoring a few over penalties. That'd be unbelievable. Um, Gents, as we speak, we're waiting for confirmation from a few deals. Um, But at the moment, uh, Hector Bellerin looks like he's going to Real Betis with Arsenal agreeing a $90.8 million pound, 23 million euro deal for Bologna defender Takahiro Tomiyasu. All these deals are on the Optusport app in the Transfer Centre and also in our live coverage of the deadline day. Closure, Bridgie? Dave, can I just give you one one thing? There's a couple of things that I've noticed in this transfer window that I've mm. never really seen before mm. in the past happen. One was William terminating a contract out of, I mean, out of a lot of money so he could get a move away from there. That shows how much he hates Arsenal. He hates Arsenal more than I do. He more wanted than to get out. Maitland Niles? 
Maitland Niles is another one that's had a go, but I've just, you know, there's um, Tottenham. Sergio is in talks um, to have a mutual termination of his contract as well to leave Tottenham Hotspur. I've never seen this. This shows the amount of money the players are making these days when you can terminate and renege on a contract. And the other one that I've uh, witnessed that I saw was quite um, interesting is Birahina coming back into football. Or Birahino, I think, sorry. Um, and I, he has signed as a pay-as-you-play basis, by all accounts. Well, the, well, the other one that's interesting as well to see is uh, Solomon Rondon. Mm. is close, apparently, to completing a deal to go to Everton. Re- reuniting with his father. <laughs> Isn't it funny how some managers just have to take certain players with them or just know a prototype of a player that they just can't replace? Or they just know, you know, he's out in some other league. I can go bring him back and, and I trust it will get back to the level. Ah, oh, amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So those ones are all sort of simmering in the in the hour that we speak. Um, gents, just other business throughout the last 24 hours that's caught your fancy. I've run through a bit of them uh, over the last 20 minutes or so. Bridgie, I think Dan James is one you probably want to touch on um, with that with that return. To, well, not return to Leeds. Uh, like a return, if you say, if you're there for a couple of hours is a return. But he is back there finally two years afterwards. What else has caught your guys' fancy overnight? I, I think West Ham's... Uh you know, spending, I think, uh, you know, they're right up there. You know, we can talk about, uh, you know, United and, and Chelsea and, and uh, you know, and PSG and all that. But I think West Ham have done some great business with what fits into David Moyes' uh, you know, philosophy. I think uh, Kral and, and Blasic is, is two great players uh, that can just complement that team. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm becoming more of, more of a fan of uh, Moyes, uh, which I never thought I would say. Do you know what it is, Thomas? I think what, what's great as well, Moyes, we, you know, questioned his tactics and what, he, what he's done, but I think he's, obviously this season, the, the style that they have played has been magnificent, no doubt about it. Tactically against Leicester, got it spot on. They're playing some very attractive football with the ball as well. But he's taken total control um, of the signings that he wanted to bring in over the last year and a half. And I know we've got these football directors and football ops and chief execs and scouts. He wanted to get back to going a little bit more old school, saying, I want to have the final say here and, and the players that I want. And I, I think it's it's shown that it's paid dividends um, with what he has done in the business. And I think he's probably saved West Ham a hell of a lot of money because in the past they have spent a lot of money for over uh, for, for me, overpriced players. Yeah, 100%. Different philosophy then coming in and owning himself as opposed to the, the team he inherited. Dan James, Bridgie, you said you put a survey out to Leeds fans on Twitter and, and you weren't sure about, about former yeah. United player and also the fact that what happened a couple of years back, but it seems like it's overwhelmingly positive and Leeds potentially had looked a little light on. Does this help in a key area for you? I still think the central midfield is another position that they could have done with um, Dave, but who who are we to, um, you know, Bielsa is an absolute genius. He has finally got his man in Dan James. Um, and and what, what, it, what he's done, I think the, the fans last time when the move from Swansea fell through thought they were getting him. He went to Manchester United. He's got a bit more experience there. 
Leeds United have not taken their foot off the pedal. They have chased this guy and they finally got him. And I, I was really surprised. I put a tweet out to ask the fans what they thought Leeds United because it's not often Manchester United players go from Manchester United to Leeds. It's often been the opposite way around that we've seen Cantona go. I saw Rio Ferdinand leave Leeds to go to Manchester United. I saw Alan Smith, a Leeds legend and local hero, leave um, and upset his legacy at Leeds United with the fans. So I was very interested to see it come the other way because Lee Sharp was one that had done it in the past and became a Leeds folklore uh, and a really good player for them. So I put it out because I thought the fans would be annoyed it was Manchester United player and the fact he turned them down. But the response was absolutely magnificent. Everybody was delighted. The faith in Bielsa and the, what they have seen in this player, they've seen it as a player that, all right, if, if things don't happen, he's still a valuable asset that they can sell and make money on. It's not, a, it's not a waste of money, put it that way. And I think the dynamics and the pace that he has suits Leeds United down to the ground at this moment in time under Bielsa. And I'm re- really interested to see Bielsa, as soon as he come out, I know a lot of the players at Leeds United, when Bielsa first came in, they all lost five kilos. The first thing Bielsa said is, we can get two stone off, off James. So we might not see him till Christmas what? because he might just be doing fitness runs all the time. But um, that's straight away what Bielsa wants. He's going to get this lad fitter than what he is. So that is great news. Jeez. Good luck, Dan. James, what about you, Schwartzy, overnight from uh, the other tier of players? And the, there's been plenty, plenty going on. And uh, what now, 15, 20-odd minutes for the last few deals to go through as well. Uh, Hector Bellerin, a forgotten man at Arsenal, has gone to Betis Sevilla on loan for the rest of the season. Wow. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm astounded by the fall from grace from the guy. I mean, the, the guy was linked heavily with going to Barcelona. Uh, Arsenal secured him on a new long-term contract. And I think it's the curse of a big contract at Arsenal. Every time they get a new contract, plays just fall off the face of the earth. Um, and their form dips dramatically. And, and he's certainly one that uh, has fallen off the face. So who's won the window, gents? I don't. Arsenal, Arsenal certainly have spent in the window. I don't know that they've won the window. We've spoken at length about what's happened in the last 24 hours or 12 hours or so. But Bridgie, who has won the window for you or lost the window, stuffed it up completely? I just want to go through the overall summary of what's happened through the uh, European summer uh, window for the Premier League. I would say the winners for me have got to be Manchester United. Then the fact they got Varane in, Sancho, who Swarty has just raved about all last year in the in the Bundesliga, and to get Ronaldo back, I just think it they've they've ticked all boxes. And yeah, he, I mean, kept the whole of De Gea as well, who's been magnificent for the first few matches. And the other one Thomas mentioned before is, is West Ham. I think their business has been sensational uh, and especially in the position and the way that they have started this season so and um, they're, they're the two winners for me and um, the, the losers yet again I would have to say Newcastle United um, yeah you know there's, there's just nothing happening up there what the signing of Santiago Munoz from Santos Laguna Listen, on loan today didn't do it for you it didn't because I, as soon as I saw that name I was going back to the movie Goal Goal one, two, and three. When Santiago is joined along with Harris, and I was, I thought it was a, I thought it was a piss take. To be honest with you, I was expecting to see Santiago and Harris sign for Newcastle United, going back to the movie, uh, and the and the other ones, like you say, the the losers. They're not losers because they've brought in a lot of players as Arsenal, but then none of the names have got anybody excited, not even their fans. And I think that's a that's a huge worrying sign for them. Thomas. Yeah, no, I, th- I think like if you look at it at the broader picture, the biggest losers are the Serie A and La Liga, I think. Um, but but then going down to 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 club yeah. football, 
Um, you know, you can talk about, you know, now we're being pickish, but, you know, Man City, um, I, I think, you know, they, they'll be okay. Obviously, 100 million for Grealish, I still question that. And, and now you're looking at you know, Ronaldo at Man United, you're looking at Lukaku at Chelsea, you know, missing out on, on Kane. Um, how, is that going to be a, a deciding factor? Because it's going to be tight now. And uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. They look, obviously look good against Arsenal, but so, so, so does many teams. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, is that a loss? We'll see. We'll see if the season goes. And then Liverpool, obviously, midfield. Still questions there. You know, is Harvey Elliott, is, is he the, the answer? Uh, he's, he's obviously had a, a decent start, but uh, losing Wijnaldum, re-signing Henderson, or at least extending his contract. Um, but I still think they have, you know, not added enough compared to some of the other teams. It's interesting what you say there about um, about City, because we we're doing a depth chart the other day, which we're going to publish this week. And yes, they got a magnificent squad, a ridiculous squad. They, they won it last year without a striker. But when you lay up the striker line in this piece and you, you look at Ronaldo, you look at Lukaku, you look at you know Liverpool's front three when fit and then you look at City and you go Gabriel Jesus and Liam Delap. So I think even just in terms of ego Manchester City did not get who they wanted and that's probably as much of a blow as the fact of, of, of what it is on the field. You know we spoke about Mbappe and the PSG flex earlier on the show in Madrid and I guess this is, this is, all, is, is all part of it Watsi, can I ask you a question about um, Leicester City and their, their um, low players that have come in? They've got Dakar from um, Salzburg. They've got um, RB Leipzig, Luckman, Vestergaard from Southampton. Uh, and Benderek from, you know, Ryan Benderek, who are great. I think Leicester have done some good business there. What, uh, what's your feel on that? Um, I, I think they've done okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not overly convinced and overly excited about it. Um, I mean, Luckman... Has had talent, right, and shown talent for a number of years. Went to Everton, struggled for consistency. Listen, I thought in a very, very ordinary Fulham side, yes, he he stood out at times, um, but very little end product. Um, at Leipzig, he struggled. So everywhere he's gone, he struggled. And listen, Leipzig, I'm a massive fan of RB Leipzig. The whole setup, the club, the way it's being created the, the environment for young players to evolve, to flourish, and he struggled there as well. Um, I question the guy's temperament. I don't know whether or not it's a great signing. For me, it, it just seems like a, a, a another another signing of, um, uh, oh gosh, I always forget his name. He's at, uh, he just signed him at Everton this year. Oh, Gray. From, uh, yeah, DMR Gray. So you look at Demari Gray, he's a similar player to Demari Gray. Demari Gray is a little bit more inside, but uh, a player that has shown glimpses of talent and yet to deliver and has numerous occasions, opportunities to do so, has, has struggled. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I mean, obviously, Leicester are looking for those players just below the radar. They're looking for that next player, again, to continue to evolve, bring up. And again, I, I still see Leicester as a side that, look to touch on playing European football, looking to win the odd domestic trophy, but also ultimately to look to sell a player or to reach transfer window to make money. And that seems to me, again, in their transfer dealings, the way that they go forward. Um, that's that's a worry for me. There's, there's a couple of other players actually that just jumped out at me regarding moves. One that baffles me is Moise King. Mm-hmm. He's gone back to Juventus on yeah. loan. I mean, he went on loan from Everton to PSG, 
and did really well last season. Not quite sure why that didn't evolve any further. Now he's gone back to Everton and they obviously don't want him and he's gone now to Juve. I mean, is that a case of circumstances because of the way that the world is in the moment, the way in Serie A it is and the way that, that maybe Juve is as a club, that they are looking to bring back a player that they've had in the past, know what they're going to get under a previous manager who's worked with him before and he's a cheap option for now. I, I don't quite know. The other one, um, which... I think for a lot of Chelsea fans were desperate to see happen was Danny Drinkwater leading on loan to go to Reading. And I kind of find that really difficult to swallow his fall from grace. I forgot he was even there, Swartzy. So thank you for yeah, reminding I'm, I'm me. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks or last couple of days, particularly with, with uh, uh, Chelsea and, and the fact that obviously they've, they've Bakioko, they've been able to ship on again. Um, and then Danny Drinkwater was was quite. There were quite people on social media talking about him, and they need to get him off the books and get him out there. And um, listen, I, I, I rate him as a player. I know, I know there are elements of his of his um, of his uh, mentality, his his uh, idea, his philosophy on football that, that sometimes can be a bit challenging. But I, I rate him as a player. But for whatever reason, the move to less uh, to Chelsea obviously didn't work out. Why subsequent moves? when he's gone out alone, haven't worked. I don't quite understand it. Him going to Villa, him going to Burnley. Villa particularly. I thought Villa was a great move for him on loan. But for whatever reason, it's fallen flat on his face and he's ended up now being at a club like Reading, which just bewilders me. Probably because he knows he's going to play week in, week out, and that's what he's missed in the last few years. And it's money. Money's not the object. Does he want to go to another place where he will be in and out of the squad yet again, or find himself battling for a place, the championship? He's going to play week in, week out, and that could be him just trying to get his love of football back. But if he doesn't, he's in big trouble. If he doesn't, he's gone. Mm. Chelsea yeah. have shipped a few players off him. Tammy Abraham's had a great start with Jose at Roma. Obviously, Kurt Zuma to West Ham. Uh, Billy Villamore's gone out on loan. You know, we've got such a big squad with that loan farm. There's obviously going to be a fair few outs to fund the ins. But yeah, drink water, Bakayoko, they're two of the big failures that have come in and just but haven't been able to step Dave, up. Dave, to show and, you how many not... players Chelsea have actually lost, I was going on to the, um, the players in and players out on the on the website on Chelsea and I had to keep scrolling. I couldn't fit all the players that have departed from all their, their youth ranks and reserve ranks. It was unbelievable that there was more than 25 players that had, had departed Chelsea. It's incredible. And that, I think a lot of that yeah, was you, to fund. And Dave, yeah, but you, Hudson, got, you got the, Hudson, sorry, <laughs> Hudson Adai, is he going Dave? Uh, no. Because obviously there, there was talks about obviously Dortmund and on loan and, um, you know that that's again that that will be coverage uh, that that they'll lose obviously with with um, with suspensions and uh, as we and speak like... still there as we speak yeah. still there yeah go on I, I just go, going back to the reason why you couldn't fit all those one players on on the same page is obviously you've got the you know the, the letters too big because you wear glasses now and you need to have the letters really large <laughs> but you you you're, you're right though like. I, I rate it. You know, too often we see clubs hang on to players too much. And Chelsea have done it in the past. They've just held on to players far too long rather than actually selling them and moving on and making a profit. Now they've seen an opportunity to bring these players in, see if they evolve enough to, to bring through, which under Frank, obviously, they were forced into allowing these young players to have these opportunities. Listen, Tammy Abraham would never be where he is if it weren't for the period of time where Chelsea had a transfer embargo. Mason Mount, would he have ever got the opportunity as often as he did at Chelsea during that period of time? 
No, no chance in the world. Um, and you know, we've seen it time and time again with players at Chelsea that get the odd cameo appearance and then get moved on. So there is another way of actually making money and being profitable, and Chelsea have shown that. For all the criticism they get for hoarding players, they're very good at developing them players, sending them out on loan, giving them experience. Again, I was going to say, Swartzy, 16 of them are loan deals, which I think is obviously just to get the players' experience in first-team football. And then, they, like you say, Absolutely. the price tag goes up. It maximises the value. So very good business. Well, you look at... Well, you look at not only the 16 players on loan, but all the other guys that have been sold to make money, to fund money, to bring in players like Romelu Lukaku. And they've done that really, really well more recently. That's certainly the, the case. Not, not always, but more recently, certainly a very good model. So the winners, by the way, as we speak as well, um, Bellerin's obviously been confirmed. Aurea confirmed. Um, Wolves missed out on a few players, but most importantly have held on to Adama Traore, which is a, a pretty big deal. A couple of weeks ago, I know we were talking about Tottenham coming in big style for him. So United have won it for Bridgie. Thomas, who won it for you? You know, again, to pick another team, uh, I would say West Ham. Yeah, West, you did say West Ham. Schwartzy, your yeah. winner? Um, I will tell you at the end of the season, I think it's going to go between Manchester United and Chelsea. No, because ultimately it comes down to the biggest winner is how, how well they're going to perform. And I think the two clubs have done the best in the window to give themselves the best opportunity to win the league. And for me, slight favourites would be Chelsea, only because I think they've got better balance. I think, I think they've got, they they got, got a better manager as well. They've got a better manager. Yeah, absolutely. That goes without saying, in my opinion, as well. But I think overall, if you just take the squad themselves, I think Chelsea have a, a better balance throughout their squad. The issue Chelsea may have is if Lukaku gets injured. If he's an injured, injured, um, then there may be an issue. However, having Lukaku there, Timo Werner getting a bit of opportunity on the sidelines a bit, maybe a little bit of pressure taken off him, maybe he can start scoring goals and maybe then they'll have a better combination of, of, of players coming through. But uh, only time will tell. But I, I, I think coming into the season is the best time for me to say. But I think both Manchester United and Chelsea have done really, really well. So can we, can we, do we have a podium? Can we come up with a unanimous gag and pod podium for the three signings we're most excited about in the Premier League uh, this season? And, and we're, we're sport for choice. Like, there's some pretty heavy contenders. Excited. Uh, a striker's union, I'm going to dive in. Excited Lukaku to Chelsea. I felt like that was the piece of the jigsaw Chelsea were missing. And I believe he can take them on to, to probably win a double if not a treble this season Dave I've got to say that with the squad depth that they've got I, I love Lukaku and for the I'm not going to steal the thunder of any of the other boys and say another one there you go Lukaku for me <laughs> so so we have to put Ronaldo second oh you can do what you can do whatever you want <laughs> no because he's probably biggest for the commercial side of it isn't he yeah, no, we'll see. I think he'll he'll get uh, close to Lukaku's uh, total at the end of the season um I think for, for surprise, I think Ronaldo is, is, is the number one for me and uh, Lukaku, a very, very, very close second. Um, and then, yeah, I, 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 you know, we'll see. Is Sancho, is, is he, is he going to be up there? I think uh, hopefully, you know, because that would mean uh, he, he put on some exciting displays and, and has lived up to the hype. So I, I, I'll, you know, put him initially in third for me. Um, I'm going to say, in terms of surprise, Lukaku is not a surprise that he's gone to Chelsea because that's been simmering for a while. And for me, everything about it made sense. The one for me that was left field was a Ronaldo because all of a sudden it was almost like, for me, it felt like it was within a week, 
Ronaldo's kind of almost gone, I don't want to be here anymore. And the deals happen. Obviously, a lot of talk of him going to Man City and then obviously he ends up at Manchester United. So that was probably the biggest surprise for me, uh, in the, obviously in the Premier League. I mean, overall surprise, nothing surpasses Messi leaving Barcelona and going to PSG. That, that to me, nothing surpasses that. Um, the, okay, I'm going to give you also a very left field. I think Sancho will come good. I think Sancho will be really, really good. But a real left field for me, I'm actually intrigued and a little bit in- excited to see Maxwell Cornet at Burnley. Uh, signing from Lyon. <laughs> oh, that's I'm field. telling you. Our Spanish I'm correspondent, Max Water, comes in with Burnley in the podium. I'm telling you, in terms of player, as an individual. Please, individual somebody turn player, his microphone off, for God's sake. Oh. No, neither, of you, neither of you have obviously, obviously either ever seen him play. I, 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 I think he's an exciting player and a player that could very much shine and be only at, at Burnley for a very short period of time. So, yeah, I know why Swartz, because he's signed a contract there and he hasn't obviously seen Burnley play. He hasn't seen their ground. And he'll be thinking, shit, what have I come to here? He will not be there very long, mate. For, for either that he realises the mistake that he has made or because of the quality you're talking about. But I will back you up. He will not be there long. Uh, and we can just confer- <laughs> confirm that the, the wine in Spain is extremely good and extremely strong. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll see. Come the, you know, come January, come into the season. Yeah, whose whose wine was stronger than the others? Wow! <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Swansea, what's going on? I just a bit further afield of the Premier League. I I, I just want to touch on um, Marcel Sabitzer going to Bayern Munich because, like, obviously we, we we get we talk about the big stars going to the top and 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 all that, but there's just a little part of me that that rankles it. Bayern having Nagelsmann, Upamecano, Sabitza, all in the one window, hoovering them up. You spoke about what you enjoy about Leipzig. What's your perception of that bit of business there? Uh, Upamecano happened quite I, – I mean, listen, I'm not sure. I, I, my understanding is the Upamecano deal happened before Nagelsmann was going to Bayern. It's not to say that Nagelsmann hadn't been singled out and already earmarked for the position and possibly even spoken to. That could well have happened. But it certainly did happen quite far in advance of Nagelsmann actually being announced as the manager of Bayern Munich. So Ubermakano one made a lot of sense anyway. Jerome Boateng was 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 earmarked probably two years ago to leave, if not three years ago to leave Bayern. And for one reason or another, probably more so because they couldn't find the right replacement, they weren't able to, to offload him. And then Sula got injured long term with a knee knee injury. Uh, so Ubermakano made a hell of a lot of sense to me. Marcel Sabitzer, listen, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's a really good player. Um, he's, I think he's understated to a large degree. I think the European Championships, we got to see a little bit more of him. Um, probably not at his best with Austria, but still played, I thought, well. Um, probably because of the expectation wearing the armband playing for Austria. I think there was a lot of expectation on his shoulders, but Austria played well. I thought they did well at the European Championships. And then Nagelsmann being the manager made a lot of sense. Start of the season, RB Leipzig, he was on the bench. So they'd already been planning without him. And I think it was in, in, the, in, the, in the, you know, sort of the wheels were in motion for quite some time for him to leave and go to, to Bayern. Interesting stuff. I know Leipzig, they've got this model that they're going to keep producing and finding gems and keep competing, except it's just that uh, Bayern continuously seem to be able to just pick and cherry pick who they want from the league and in, endorses their position at the top. Well, 
Well, like what Leipzig also do is they, they pretty much have a buyout clause in every contract of all their players. They kind of do that, that Spanish model. But for whatever reason, their buyout clauses are not hugely expensive. I mean, like Uber Makano was like 35 million euros, as was Kunate, who went to Liverpool, who, again, I think is going to be a really good player for them. Um, once he gets up to speed with the, with the Premier League and hopefully stays fit, I think he's a very, very good player. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. They're regularly producing good players. And also, one of the reasons why I think they're able to, to, to attract those players is the model, the environment, but also the opportunity of an out. If you perform well, there's a very reasonable uh, buyout clause. And I think that's why also a lot of players jump at the opportunity to go there. Interesting stuff. We'll touch a little bit more for those listening and wanting the Premier League fix of on-field action. We're obviously heading into an international break and we'll bring a lot of that more back into next week's edition. Um, but just in light of uh, one other bit of transfer, um, some drama that happened in the last 24 hours, Ashley Maitland-Niles, you mentioned William a little bit earlier, Bridgie, Hector Bellerin leaving as well. There's just this constant theme and feel around Arsenal at the moment. And we spoke in depth about them potentially being in crisis last week. I just want to ask before we head into the national break, first of all, the Maitland-Niles stuff, what do you read into that? Now he's staying. I had to have clear the air talks. What does that say about the club at the moment? And has been told, Dave, that he'll be training with the reserves of the youth team and hmm. stay away from Mikel Arteta because hmm. he, he doesn't want him around the first team environment for at least a week or two. To yeah. clear his head. So, what do you, from a player's point of view, and then also looking outside, what do you what do you make of all this situation? I what, still think I th- my quick take on this, Dave, is that I credited Arteta when he first took over the job. There was a lot of um, stuff going on behind the scenes with this squad that he had to sort out. I believe it was a very toxic environment, um, and that's just seen it from the the outer. There was people that I've spoke to on the inner sanctum also said that. Um, that it wasn't a nice vibe. Arteta came in, and I think he sorted that out originally. The it's something else is still going on there. there. I think there's a lot of disgruntled players that are there. They're either not happy with the the tactics or the style now, or they don't believe in it. I don't think they're buying into it anymore with Arteta, but also with the owners and um, the crankiers. Is it crankiers? Correct. Yeah. Crankier. Crankier. There. I think the fans are obviously disgruntled that it hasn't been so cranky about the crankies. They are the crankies. Yes. <laughs> it's um, and I just think it's a very, very unstable environment at the moment. They've tried to, you know, play, appease the fans by these signings that they've made, uh, and I just don't think it it has helped because the I don't think the fans are happy with the players that they've signed. There's a hell of a job to go. They're sitting bottom of the league with no points. It is toxic. Players want out. I I I, I really feel for Arteta and I feel for the fans as well because the the club is in decline. If they can't beat Norwich at home on the return of the international break, doesn't even matter. Um, you know, people talking about they need time to bed in and that kind of thing with the new signings and players like Thomas Partey coming back from injury and recovery from COVID. Thomas, if they cannot beat Norwich at home, I know they're talking long-term plans and all that. Can they possibly keep him? Uh, I think it'd be very, very tough. You know, there, there was talks about five games and obviously we're down to four now after the Man City game. You know, I think this is a crunch match. Uh, you know, obviously both teams haven't won. Arsenal haven't scored. Worst start in 50, 60 years. Uh, and then, then obviously this situation with Ashley Maitland-Niles, you know, it just adds, it just keeps you, you know, there just keeps being bombs thrown in. Obviously you got Vill- uh, Villian leaving. 
yeah, I know he, he gets a lot of credit and all, you know, you know, waving all this money, but it's still it still reeks a little bit of, of someone who just wants to get away. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, again, you know, the owners, how, how long can they stand for this? You know, they, they, they need to, even though they want to build long-term, it's still a short-term game. Um, and, and yeah, I, I sadly think this Norwich game, if they don't win this game, he's gone. How to disagree with that. Anyone disagree? Nope. 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 But, you know, you... You think about it, right? Like talking about William leaving. Listen, he's a lovely guy, ultimate professional. Everything you read about him in that regard is all absolutely true. Um, but Thomas is onto something there. For a player to want to leave and give up twenty million pounds, seriously, like what? What? How bad can it be? I think you've answered the question. <laughs> yeah. It's a good yeah, no, no, question. We're going to yeah, leave the Premier League to simmer there, guys. We're going to leave the Premier League to simmer there. The transfer window is closed, by the way. And for those who are listening later in the day, this will be this will be out later in the day, of course. And 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 we're waiting to see whether the di- final deals from Spain finally get confirmed. But there's obviously that that window after the window closes where the paperwork can get completed. So. Anxious wait for Chelsea fans waiting to see if Saul goes through and if Antoine Griezmann ends up going back to Atletico Madrid. But the good news is, as we wrap up, guys, if you are worried about the Premier League not being on over the weekend, never fear, because there are 75 international matches over eight days on Optus Sport. I don't expect or think you should watch all of them. I'm not even going to try, but there are some good things on over the next week or so. Yes, Schwartzy? Sheffield United have just signed Sweden international goalkeeper Robin Olsen. Yeah. That's, that's another that's fall, a left fall field. from grace. Yeah, that's another fall from grace. You would say he played he played extremely well at, at the Euros, and he was all right. So doesn't make any sense for them, wasn't he? Nah, nah. Yeah, doesn't make any sense to me. Obviously, Rondon's completed his move as well, which obviously no no brainer really in terms of of, of uh, his re- reunion with uh, Rafa, Rafa Benitez. But yeah, Robin Olsen, wow. Geez, well, see, that was hot off the press. That happened one minute ago. Thank you. Well done. Sharp, that's me. Very good. I, I, was, just che- I was just checking my messages and see, because I'm still officially a free transfer. No, no bites. <laughs> <laughs> R- Ronaldo moving at the age of 36 with that kind of deal. Sporty got excited thinking, you know, the goalkeepers, we and Tommy, you know, all check out their inboxes. I thought 48, why not? Any chance? Could be, you never know. Oh, oh, good stuff. As we look at the international window, guys, um, just want to find out what theme your guys are looking forward to. We get the first glimpse of Germany in the Hansi Flick era. We get to see the Euros. Is it a hangover or continue, continuation for some teams? Um, some taste against particularly England. We have to go to Hungary and Poland. Um, from Schwartzy down to T- Schwartzy, Thomas, then Bridgie, what, what are you most looking forward to over the next week or so? Kicking off, set your alarms. Every morning you get up, you've got, international football uh, from, from Thursday morning onwards? I'm not seeing my alarm to get up early and watch international fo- football, mate. I'm going to just watch it in the afternoon or the <laughs> evening, personally. Um, I'm really excited to see Germany. Absolutely. 100%. You mentioned it. Hansi Flick. Um, you know, when you look at Thomas Müller being, you know, tweeting how excited he is to be back with the national team again and obviously the new era under Hansi Flick. The relationship between Hansi Flick, of course, and the Bayern Munich players. I think his ability to manage big stars is proven at Bayern, the way he turned that team around, literally from one day to the next, 
after Nico Kovac was having a disaster there and turned them into, you know, domestic winners, which kind of everyone says is a foregone conclusion. But let's not forget, when he took over, they were a million miles away from retaining the Bundesliga title. And then they ran away of it. And then to go on and win the Champions League uh, was pretty impressive. So I'm excited to see, because Germany have got players. They've got good, a good squad. They just needed the right man at the helm. And I think Hansi Flick could well be that man. Thomas? You know, I, I think uh, sports is still my thunder there. From, from a neutral perspective, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to Germany. I think, uh, again, with, with all those questions and, and they were stalling, um, you know, over the last couple of years. And, and now, finally, new manager, a new, new, new fresh blood. I think uh, that should be exciting to watch. But again, you know, for me personally, Denmark is, is obviously where my focus is. Um, you know, they've had a great start um, to, to the qualifiers. And, and then just to ride on, on what happened at the Euros, I think mm. uh, they've got Scotland on Thursday, so I'll be up at uh, 4.45, I think it is. Uh, exciting time. <laughs> and uh, Denmark got their games for the rest of the year. They've sold the games out for the first time in, in God knows how long. So, uh, it's, so, yeah, everyone is just pumped and uh, so am I. That's and how the fairytale continues. Tommy's just stole my thunder because I saw Denmark playing Scotland. Anybody that plays Scotland, I'm going to support them and I hope Denmark absolutely <laughs> smash them. And, and just put on an unbelievable performance against them. The other one that I'm looking forward to seeing um, is the, the teams in Turkey um, and Netherlands. Turkey, after their Euros, were absolutely terrible, but they're sitting in Group G. They're top of their group with seven points ahead of Netherlands. They need to make a, they need to make a huge impact, Turkey, just to prove um, you know, a lot of the, the doubt is wrong that they are, you know, are back to what they, they should be because their qualification in the Euros was magnificent. They were terrible during the Euros and they're sitting top. So they've got a couple of interesting games coming up. Well, it was the start of this campaign that actually had people tipping them as dark horses for the Euros. And of course, the Netherlands now have Louis van Gaal back in charge. So that's a back to the future yeah. if you've ever seen it to try to get them back to where they want to be internationally. I mentioned uh, England. They play Hungary on Friday at 4.45 a.m. So that's a big one. Sweden against Spain also on Friday. And obviously Spain have had a big few months, uh, particularly with the Olympics as well. And the Italians, they will be welcoming their European champions back home on Friday against Bulgaria too. International football is back in full swing. Schwartz, as we end off, I just want to ask you about the Socceroos because they're back in action after a very, very, very long time in World Cup qualifying, which paused, well, it feels like 10 years ago. Uh, it's been that long since Australia played Jordan and won 1-0 before COVID hit. It's against China and it's against Vietnam over the next week. What do you make of... Uh, that's the start of the, the, the third round of World Cup qualifying, of course, in a, in a reasonably tricky group as well. Um, what do you make of... Uh, well, we can't say what you've seen on the Socceroos because we haven't, but the squad that's been put together, the returning players, just the, the type of squad that Australia's got on the, uh, on the paddock right now. I mean, you know, listen, I mean, Graham Arnold has been very vocal in saying that, was it seven players or so he would have loved to have picked and hasn't been able to due to COVID restrictions? Ryan, uh, I think it's Ryan Grant, is that right? The only player out of, out of Australia that's going to be part of the squad. What it does do, it opens up opportunities for other players that are on the fringes uh, in Europe uh, playing at a lower level that, that, that will would have possibly not had a chance previously. And of course, my natural attention turns and focus goes to the goalkeeping position, particularly Matty Ryan being injured, coming back from injury, being part of the squad. Danny Vukovic kind of leaving 
leaving Belgium because of family reasons, being back in Australia, and all of a sudden ending back up in Belgium again. Um, you know, we know that Graham Arnold obviously has a strong affiliation with both goalkeepers. Uh, he rotated them uh, during the last series of qualifications uh, in Q8. What will he do um, now leading up to these qualifiers? Uh, who will he select? I'm intrigued to see that. Um, but I think it's an interesting time. It's such an important uh, phase, whereas in the past, at this stage, obviously, it's do or die, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like the final stages. Your home fixtures have always been so important. Picking up away wins were all away points were always incredibly vital and, and, and important. Um, where the Socceroos at the moment don't have that luxury. They've got a, every game's an away game at the moment and they've got to try and pick up points straight away. China's not going to be an easy game. Vietnam, on the other hand, will be tough because it's away um, with a squad that are going to be under strength, according to the manager, in terms of the, the ideal selection process and players not playing a lot of games. So certainly within the goalkeeping position, you know, injuries, leagues haven't started yet. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so China, Vietnam, Oman, uh, Japan, Saudi Arabia. It's a tough group, tricky group. Uh, but we know that when you get to the business end of World Cup qualifying, that is the case it is. I mentioned before earlier that we hadn't seen the Socceroos in action since before COVID. That is, of course, incorrect because they played those final second round qualifiers a couple of months back in that bubble and looked actually really impressive with the likes of Horustic stepping up. And now we'll get the likes of Martin Boyle, Tom Rogic, Aaron Moy, uh, Trent Sainsbury back into the lineup too. So, you know what? I'm really looking forward to seeing how they go and seeing what Socceroos lineup we have at our disposal to enjoy and support through on the road to Qatar. Gents, time has got the better of us once again. We've talked about a lot and uh, it's been a pretty interesting 24 hours to end uh, a ridiculous transfer window. In a word, the three of you, how would you describe this transfer window to conclude us? Bridgie, come up with the most extravagant word you can find to describe this transfer window. (laughs) First time you've got me lost for words. I'm going to say spectacular. Thomas? Outstanding. Outstanding. Schwartzy? Bizarre. Yeah, I've gone bonkers. Bonkers. <laughs> Crazy yeah, times. Like it. But good fodder for us all to enjoy when the games aren't on. Gents, thanks so much for your time. You have a, a great week. Enjoy the international action. Schwartzy, look after yourself over in Spain. And to everyone out there as ever, I can say until the next episode, enjoy your football because there is a lot to come. And don't forget as well, the Women's Super League begins this weekend on Optus Sport. So we have you covered. The Premier League is having a rest, but there is so much football to enjoy. So until the next episode of the Gangapod, enjoy your football. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.